0: The use of drones in many areas of agriculture is becoming more and more prevalent. And in ranching, it's no different. Man,
1: there's a lot of ways to to integrate this in the ranch work and and to simplify some tasks. To make some tasks easier and uh, and now I've found it as, as a pretty
0: indispensable tool. Dallas Mountain joins me as he and I discuss our use of drones in our ranching businesses and some helpful tips for your consideration. Then later in the program, DTN Livestock Market Analyst Shaylee Stewart steps in as we talk about this hot calf market taking shape for 2022. I don't
2: care what region you were looking at. I don't care what weight bracket you were looking at. There was significant stellar demand for feeder cattle and cows throughout the countryside
0: it's all here on this episode of the working ranch radio show And welcome back again. It's another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're glad to have you joining us on our program today. If you've chosen to download it on your podcast provider, thanks for doing that. If you're listening here on the radio, we thank you for tuning in. Now, I'm going to start today first by saying if you are a regular listener, then you're going to say, what's up? I thought we had we were going to be talking about something else today. Well, you're right, because we were supposed to be talking about how utilizing long-term forecasts can help with stocking decisions however one of the guests came down with covid and so we're going to postpone that a week and hope to bring that to you next week now for today's show if you were listening in the opening you hear uh, dallas mount will be joining me as he and i will be discussing our use of drones in our ranching businesses and some tips that we think might be helpful if it's something that you may be considering so that will be what we'll be talking about in a couple segments also joining us will be Shaley Stewart. She joined us a few weeks ago to give us an insight on the cattle markets. We're going to be talking about this hot calf market. Uh, Shaley is a DTN Livestock Market Analyst and also host of Cattle Market News on Facebook. If you want to search that, you can find her daily. Uh, mo- I think she does that about every day that she gives an update on the, on the cattle markets out there. Very useful as she studies that. And she's going to be sharing with us uh, some of the information that she's pulled out of the recent video sales that we've seen in the market already. And then, of course, the very last part of our program, as we do each and every week, meteorologist Don Day will be joining us with a look at our long-term weather. Right now, a thank you to our sponsors of the Working Ranch radio show, Gelve and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to their website at gelve.org. And Zoetis, it's the little things that could derail progress, but your herd can be covered. Visit getlessparasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. Right now, let's check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents.
3: Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. So a lot of folks know that every Friday morning I post on our Working Ranch Facebook page, it's Friday. What's everybody doing out there in cow country? And I usually get a couple of hundred people comment back with video, excellent photographs, it's just a snapshot of what everybody's doing uh, one day a week out there in cow country, North America. I love it. It's a great place to share information and learn as well. So in this case, last week, um, I got a comment from Guard Coffee. He's in Kentucky grazing some Johnson grass and a beautiful photo of his, of his nice black cows out there in this excellent looking green pasture. And so me, myself, being from the Pacific Northwest Mountains and the Great Basin Desert Country, I didn't, I don't know what Johnson grass is. So um, I had to ask him, wow, that looks real good. Is it good grass? And Greg comes back. So actually, Johnson grass is considered a noxious weed in the state of Kentucky. It is highly invasive into our cool season grass hay fields. That being said, we have it and it is nearly impossible to eradicate so by grazing it that's one management tool we use to try to keep it under control as much as possible it makes a really good feed and cows love it the only problems you can face with grazing it is nitrate poisoning and prussic acid poisoning as you would have with other sorghum sudan type grasses thanks so much for that guard for Uh, sharing that with us. A lot of us learn so much off of this Friday Facebook post thing that we got going on. It's been going for about, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years now. And uh, if you put all these posts together, you'd have one heck of a learning book. So thank you very much. Justin, back to you.
0: All right, Captain. Thanks for that. And yeah, you know, that is a fun thing to do, folks. Check it out. The Working Ranch Magazine's Facebook page. I've always found it interesting just to see that snapshot in time of what everybody's doing across the ranching world as they respond to uh, Tim's usually kind of quirky comments that he has to get everybody provoked to to make a comment or to share a picture with us. So check it out. Working Ranch Magazine's Facebook page each and every Friday morning when Tim kicks that out. Be sure to respond yourself so we can see what you're doing on your ranching operation well stay with us coming up next we're going to be talking drones later in the program we're going to be talking calf markets and then at the very end we'll be talking weather we're going to get it all on today's show of the working ranch radio show For commercial cow calf producers, crossbreeding with galve and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galve and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. In the feed yard, balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Galve and Balancer, the smart reliable Reliable and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvate.org. and welcome back to the working ranch radio show i'm justin mills as we head into kind of our main topic here for this episode realizing we do have uh, another uh, segment coming up here in just a moment where uh, shaley stewart will be joining us we'll be taking a look at what our markets are doing on these calf and yearland markets but uh, joining me now is mr dallas mount we've had him on our show before he's the ceo of ranch management consultants out of wheatland wyoming and dallas thanks for joining us here on our program today
1: You bet, Justin. Thanks for inviting me. Always fun to be on.
0: Well, we're going to be talking not necessarily uh, what you talk about on a daily basis with ranch management advice and consultation and, and help helpful tips but we are going to be talking something that is important and that or that is relevant and and that is ways that we can help cut some costs or be a little bit more efficient than we are out there and for i'm just telling if if you're a die hard horse outfit right now bear with us just a little bit right dallas what do you think <laughs>
1: yeah if if you've got your super cowboy merit badge (laughs) you might want to hide you might want to hide that for a minute
0: because we're going to be talking about drones today and and I'm just going to tell you my own operation we do a lot on horseback we still do a lot on horseback but I have owned a drone for four or five years now and so and I know Dallas that's part of the reason I wanted to visit with you because I know you also have have a drone you've used it in your ranching operation as well and so when I guess first of all what was the reason that you decided hey this is something that I should be looking at to utilize on my ranch operation what was that
1: well, I, I guess I'll, I'll show you my nerd card here a little bit. <laughs> I, I've always kind of enjoyed aviation. Um, I, I've like I've had RC planes for quite a while, um, you know, and, and so I was kind of predisposed, I guess, to, to being interested in drones. So when they when they started to come out, I was I was watching. I was also doing some video work, right? And I thought, well, this could be handy for that. Um, so I I probably bought it for other reasons than the ranch work. But then when I had it, I found holy. Man, there's a lot of ways to yeah. to integrate this in the ranch work and to and to simplify some tasks to make some tasks easier. And uh, and now I've found it as, as a pretty indispensable tool. In fact, when I we we've got a, a place where we graze about 40 miles west of Wheatland, and when I head up there, uh, the drone is always with me.
0: Yeah, and that has been something. I guess when I first got one, it was I had another purpose in mind, I, I was going to use it mainly to check for, you know, water, you know, water tanks and maybe fly some cricks. We were in a drought year the year before and some of the cricks were kind of soggy and so you just want to make sure cattle weren't in them and it was just an easy way to fly those. And so that was my intent and purpose. And then it grew into use utilizing it for a lot of different elements, you know, down to even moving livestock uh, with it. So um, for what you're what you have found it to be useful when you say That's part of the tool that you take when you go out to do things. Let's go through some of the tasks just in general that you use it for.
1: Yeah. Okay. So probably the most common use is checking water. Um, So, you know, in the old way, you know, right. Jump on the four wheeler the side by side and bounce out through the pasture for a while to go make sure there's water in the tank, right. Make sure they hadn't, you know, kick the float off or knock the drain valve out, right. Or something like that. So, so now it's easy to just, walk outside, launch the drone, fly it over the tank, right, come right down into the tank, make sure there's water in there, right? You can get a good good look to see if the cattle are in, right? So, and so we've got two different grazing operations. So what I'm talking about where I do this is, is just outside my house, right? So where it would normally be a, you know, 10 minute trip on the four wheeler to go out and do that. If I've got everything's going on, it's nice to just pop the drone out, zip right over there, look at the water. Yep, we're good, right? Come back, check that off the list. So uh, that, that's one of the common ways. Um, when we go up to the ranch, uh, uh, the, the place 40 miles west of Wheatland is pretty rough country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's a real nice thing to, to just go and check where the cattle are. Um, finding bulls, right? That's yeah. a hand, handy thing for that. Um, you know, where, where might those bulls have gone and, and you can go fly over there. Uh, checking springs, right? So, there might be a, you know, a typical day up there would be Couple hours uh, riding around, looking at the water points, right, and and Mm -hmm. just trying to find the cattle and and those things. So, uh, so the drone really helps with that. Um, Yeah, on on the gather days, um, makes that a lot simpler right instead of sending guys to check this draw and to check this draw right we we can just go fly it and then know where the cattle are and then make our game plan from there yeah so what, what about you Justin? How do, how do you use yours mostly
0: well and very similar to the same thing uh, in fact just this morning and the last couple of days we've been moving two different sets of cows into some new paddocks and about 300 cows in each set and so that's really the idea is to get out and check you know you know it's been really hot too we've had some really hot weather up here and so we're checking water continually always checking water and making sure because we can tell whether or not the overflows are flowing over or or if we're out of water on a tank and what we need to do so you know that and then in the process of moving these cattle to a new paddock once we open the gate there's usually a few stragglers that decide that they're going to hold off just a little bit and maybe not get through that gate so we'll just push them on through and and i guess from a cattle movement standpoint that was one of the things i I did not buy... Buy it for that purpose. It wasn't really the intended purpose, but was pleasantly surprised at how well I felt cattle moved with the pressure of a drone. I try to be a really good steward of uh, or, or learner and uh, an applier of low stress cattle management type techniques. And so, you know, in any way that you decide to move cattle, um, there's principles or practices you can put in place. And I've tried to utilize that with the drone, and, and you can see from the air it's it's what's that's one of the things that's really fun about the drone is that you can do some of these pressure points on cattle or moving cattle and then you can get up in the air and you can see that what you just did how it's affecting cattle all all up and down that line as you're moving them and so the ability to move livestock with it has been something that really was something that i was not an intended purpose um But it's been really helpful. And like you said, too, you know, we've got, you know, 1800 acre pasture here that we're going to gather and it is rough. And what used to take us, you know, maybe three quarters of the day with four or five riders to gather this pasture, I can get the cattle started with the drone, spend an hour, maybe an hour and a half at the most getting cattle started and pushed and going in the right direction across the creek and then pick them up on the other side of the creek with a couple horseback riders. And we can be done in half a day. And it's just it's crazy how, how well it works. And I, and I like the pressure that it puts on the livestock in such a way that I don't feel like I can keep pairs paired up without lo- you know losing that and keep them cattle in a good frame of mind. That's probably what's been really surprising for me.
1: So, so something I learned early in, and you probably know this better than I did, but so I kind of spoiled the cattle that I was running to the drone early and they got to where they didn't see it as a pressure deal, no. right? So so I don't have much success now with the cattle I'm running, moving the drone. And I think it was my own fault, right? Oh. I think I, I messed them up on it too early, but I had a neighbor's cattle that, <laughs> that were unfamiliar with it. And I just played, I played with it, right? And, and kind of doing the things you're talking about. And I was really paying more attention to when, when the animals were responding, right? And then releasing that pressure and then coming back in and then mm-hmm. releasing that pressure when they gave me movement and, and they moved very, very well to it, right? right. So so I, I think there if somebody's gonna start doing this, I uh, don't make the mistake I did early with the with some of these cattle that I've got. And and I kind of spoiled them to it, right? So I can fly the thing. Uh, probably 4 feet from the face of a cow, <laughs> right? And she'll just flick her ear at me, yeah, right? Yeah. So I can read her ear tag, you know, <laughs> yeah. but 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 I I wouldn't have much success getting getting her to move from yeah. the drone, right? Because she's not she's not like, "Oh, that's what that is," right? Yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. Dallas Mount is my guest today, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants, as we are talking about drones mainly from a from the broad overview concept of is this a tool that could be utilized on your operation that might speed up some things or cut some labor costs or cut some equipment maintenance costs, all of that to be considered in this. Uh, We're going to continue, and when we come back, we're going to get into the details of what kind of drone he's using, what kind of drone I'm using, some insurance that you can put on these as well, and some other uh, topics that we're going to talk about, all encompassing as we talk about drones and how they could be utilized in a ranching operation. Stay with us. We'll come back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at Bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit Bobcat.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants, and uh, we are talking drones. And and one of the things, I, I before we went to the break, I was I was trying to remember something, and I was telling Dallas during the break here, I said, man, I just kind of had kind of a brain lapse there for a minute. I remember what it was now, Dallas, and that was this, is that some people say, oh, you know, this new tech cowboy kind of a thing. And one of the things that I have seen with since we've got the drone, you know, what piece of equipment sits the most? Take a wild guess. Uh,
1: I I don't know. Maybe a, a, a vehicle that you would normally be using to go out there and do this or what?
0: Yeah. You know what sits the most? And, and we do it, like I said earlier, we do a lot on horseback, but what probably sits the most is the four wheeler. Uh, just because I don't really need it, um, we'll we'll use the drone. We'll use that in in conjunction with having uh, guys on horseback, or I'll I'll do something initially with a drone to get cattle started movement. Because if if you're any if you're a student of low stress management, you know that starting cattle movement is is important is really one of the most important things in the in the process. So we we might go and and if we got an eighteen hundred acre pasture and, and we'll check the corners and get cattle moving, and then we'll pick up up on horseback i'll park the drone and we'll pick up on horseback and we'll do that so that's probably what i've seen the most not being utilized as much is atvs or motorcycles or we don't even own side by side so i can't even say that but so that's i i think that may surprise some folks okay dallas let's get into specifics because we we need to if we're going to do this we really need to talk about okay what are you using what am i using and so i'll start with you what kind of drone are you using
1: so mine's a bit old there. I'm sure there's some new, new stuff out there. Uh, DJI Mavic. Okay. And, and and that was the original Mavic model. Um, and the, what I was attracted to about it is it folds up into a fairly small form yeah. and you can get cases for them that are made for them, right? And so I can strap it right on the front of the four-wheeler um, when, when we're taking off and it, it it's pretty dang simple to carry. They make some backpacks for them that a person could slide in there. So, uh, so that's the one I went with. Um, I, you know, if I had to do it today, I'd probably get something with maybe a Zoom on the camera to to see some things with a bit more detail Um, but uh, I've I've largely been happy with it Uh, I've probably got it going on four years now and haven't had to replace a single part on it so I'm doing all right
0: so have you ever had a crash
1: I have not and uh, I'm surprised about that because yeah. I typically uh, crash stuff. Right? So, so uh, now that you've asked me this right next week, I'm going to go out there yeah. and crash the darn thing. So,
0: well, yeah. and we'll but, we'll talk about that in just a minute. The crash element, that fear that people are scared to death of. So uh, really quick, how much was at that time? Again, that was four years ago. How much was your package and what did it include?
1: I think, uh, for some reason, I'm remembering somewhere around eleven, twelve hundred dollars Okay. Uh, I've got uh, three batteries for it, a carrying case. It came with extra props. Um, so, kind of a like a starter package yeah, um, yeah. Th- that I got with it. So, yeah. Okay. What, what about you, Justin? What are you running?
0: Well, so, I started in the drones four or so years ago, too. And I purchased the Phantom 4 Pro V2. And at the time, that was kind of the the biggest... Uh, it, actually, I think it was just ahead of the Mavic, uh, that what you have there. Uh, the Mavics were a little bit just a, a one generation later. So I had the Phantom 4 uh, Pro V2. And so it's a bigger unit than the Mavics. Uh, it doesn't fold, doesn't collapse, which is one of the, the, the disadvantages against the, the Phantom 4. The advantage and the part of the reason that I went that way, and in fact, I, I called a guy up in Bozeman, Montana that, has a, that had a drone business. That's what they do. Uh, His folks are Red Angus breeders up in Montana, uh, fishers up in Montana. And so I called him because I knew he had a lot of experience and I said, okay, here's what I'm going to be dealing with. And so I went with the Phantom 4 because it's a little heavier and um, I felt it would stand up to wind a little bit better. Um, I kind of have, you know, we're not real, real windy here, but we have a lot of different weather conditions. And so I just wanted to have that ability. So that's what I went with. It doesn't collapse like the Mavics do, but it's a little bit more of a substantial unit in terms of weight, a little heavier. Uh, I, You know, th- people always ask, well, how far do these things fly? At that point in time, the Phantom and probably yours, they're around a four, you know, go, they'll go up to four miles away from you. Now, keep in mind, that is under perfect conditions, like like you're in absolutely flat country and everything's good. And here was the other thing, if you go four miles out, it's going to take half your battery to get there and half your battery to get back, <laughs> you know, so I don't usually fly at four miles is that kind of where where's your radius of flying that you you're at mostly
1: i'd say 90 percent of it is within a mile from yeah. where i'm i'm working yeah. it uh you know when we're like if we have a hill between where I'm working and, and where the drone is working, uh, that'll start to deteriorate the way things work, yeah. right? So so it's it's if I was on top of that hill flying it away from me, I, I'd probably feel more comfortable going further. But yeah. um, most of my stuff is, hey, I just want to pop over this ridge and see what's over there or, or fly this valley, right, yeah. and see what's in there. So you usually it's in, it's within a mile, mile and a half.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that's kind of what I find. A lot of my working spaces at the most maybe 10,000 feet, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Most cases it's usually less less than that and so so the phantom four was what i went with and of course now you know there's that's been four or five years ago now we've got a lot more uh dji seems to make them the drones that are a little bit more accessible and easier to get to as far as buying them. And I know the other day I talked to the same gentleman that I had talked to before to see, okay, what's, what would you recommend today for, for somebody? Because what I was finding is I bought my package. It was about $1,800 through, uh, through Amazon. And it was the same thing. It included uh, three batteries, a charger, a backpack, uh, the drone, some extra propellers and things like that. So same thing. It was about $1,800. It's hard to find that same package today so what i was asking what what's out there and and funny thing is is you know what you mentioned and this is something i hear from a lot of different people that already have drones one feature they wish it had is the same thing you mentioned which was what the zoom the zoom the zoom exactly and so in talking with him it sounded like the mavic uh, the Mavic Air 2 or Air 2S and you might want to research these was did have that capability to have a zoom feature and he also made that same comment that that was something that he continued to hear as well that if if we could improve one thing let's be able to have that zoom feature so we can zoom in on a tank or we can zoom in on something without having to move that drone and that was a yeah. big feature that he felt was important too.
1: Yep. yep. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. So, No, but have you crashed yours? You, you asked me that.
0: Well, I have many, many times, many times. I probably went through, I probably went through eight, seven, eight, nine drones. Uh, that I've went through. And so if you're listening, you're probably thinking, oh my word, how can you afford $1,800 seven times? Well, I can't, but here's the thing about these packages. And I don't know, you probably got it with yours initially. And I advise anybody that I say, okay, here, you know, that are going that's going to get a drone. DJI sells an insurance package on these, on these units. Pretty minimal. I think the cost is around $129 or $150 initially. And then if you do end up crashing the drone, it's, uh, it's a, I think it's a hundred dollar uh, premium to, and they'll send you a, a brand new drone is what they'll do, and so that uh, that is your insurance package that gives you a little bit more confidence to fly these things without being so scared to death that, holy crap, I've got you know fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars worth of stuff up in the air, and so that's what I've really advised people to do. Now, coincidentally, what's I what I've also noticed with that is that. Anytime time that I've had an issue or a drone, and there was a, there's a few of those wrecks that I've had that it wasn't me. It wasn't like I flew it into a, into a tree or a power line or anything like that. What it was, it just something happened and it you know kind of fell out of the sky. And so in those particular cases, I I was able to upload the data, the flight data information, and they replaced that drone one hundred percent. I paid nothing. I paid nothing for that, and that has wow. been probably. S- I think I've only had to pay the premium two times. So most of the replacements that I've had have been issues with that they seen as a malfunction with the unit and have totally 100% covered. So that, I mean, I I feel for folks that if you're considering this, you really don't need to be scared about it.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I appreciate that. I've I've, I've had mine out there and then like my screen goes blank, right? I lost it. And then here, you know, you wait a few minutes and you hear it flying back, right? Yeah. And it, it comes home. So I have yet to have one go blank and for it to just, you know, drop out of the sky. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, well, that, that's good to know. You know, I do think there's some, we, when you get the thing, right, it's tempting to just, oh, let's jump it out of the box, charge it up, run outside and go fly it and chase cattle, right? Yeah. And I, I think there's probably some wisdom in, okay, this is just like any other tool. We need to take some time and- let somebody learn how to run this yeah, right it yeah. uh, th- there's a lot of protections in them and a lot of things that kind of help uh, make it so you don't have need a lot of skill to run them but at the same time i think just be real when you're getting it right this is something that's gonna somebody on your team probably needs to kind of yeah. have the star beside their name for running it um, yeah
0: right? no i and i agree i would definitely agree there and, and i think it's something that, as you said rather than Purchasing it with the idea that, oh, we're just going to move cattle with it all. I think you really need to focus on projects or jobs you can do with it that are really not related to the livestock other than, you know, go check water. Go check to see if a gate's closed or your or your, maybe your portable, check your fence or some things like that. Do some simple things with it that way. And then as you get better with it, then you might look at moving livestock but here's the caveat I'm going to say about that, and I don't care whether you're moving livestock on foot or if you're on a uh, using horseback or whether you're using uh, ATV of some sort if you don't have some principles of cattle of how to work livestock in, in a to keep them in the great frame of mind. You know, you can do as much damage with a horse, a four-wheeler, as, as you can with the drone. It's just they're just tools that can allow you to make a, a bad decision quicker. Is yep. all that they're going to yep. do. So I go back to you need to be a student of of handling livestock first, and then how can I implement this tool to do those principles? Yep.
1: I agree with that. So, so what other kind of uses have you found with it besides the things we've talked about? I'm, I'm looking at that picture behind you and you know, some of those kind of, I've found sometimes where I really enjoy getting some cool shots, right. And, or like a video that I can send to the cattle owner and just like, Hey, here's what the animals look Mm -hmm. like. Right. What, what are other ways have you found to use it?
0: Similar to that? You know um, I do have a lot of cattle in here that are, that are not my cattle. So if I can take pictures of, Oh, here's your first calf or here, you know, here's some things like that, that, that's useful the other thing too is to know what your pastures look like uh, we talk about a lot about if you're really monitoring your pastures and you're saying you're sitting in your pickup cab and looking horizontally across that it might look like you you got all the grass in the world you get above it and you can look down on it it's going to have a totally different look and so i can really i can monitor these pastures a little bit to to look from that perspective and say okay that grass is yellowing and we need to be looking at moving these cattle or, you know, just there's, there's some of those kinds of things that I think are very helpful as well.
1: Yep. I would agree. If you're flying a piece, maybe there's some leafy spurge or some thistle Uh or something coming out, right. Just hit record on your video, right. Come back in there next year, two years later, Hey, hit, hit that same record, get back to the house and say, is this patch growing or shrinking?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, well, Dallas, I, have we covered everything that you can think of as far as, I mean, cause I know you probably get a lot of questions and people say, oh, you have a drone. Have we, have we answered those questions you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think we've hit hit on some of the highlights, you know, just like any other tool on the ranch, right? There, there's there's going to be good uses for it. And then there's going to be Right, so th- does everybody that's running a few cows need a drone? Probably not. No. Right, is it, is it the right fit for some people to maybe say, hey, are there some some jobs we can simplify, some miles we can save on a, on a vehicle? Uh, you know, uh, maybe a few days a year that, that this thing is really going to save some significant workload, and I I think for a lot of people in the ranching business they they'd find that to be the case. Yeah. Right? So I yeah. I encourage people to look into it.
0: Yeah, you're right. I think you nailed it there, and I think that's a good good stopping point right there. Just you know, look at it, consider it. It's not the solve all for everybody. It may not be the tool for everybody, but it is out there. It might be something that you want to consider. So Dallas, thanks for joining us. Uh, real quick, your schedule, kind of this summer, you don't have a as much schools going on uh, uh, ranching for profit as the schools that you have not not too busy through the summer you probably have some el meetings to get to but then you kind of pick up again in the fall
1: Right, we're getting ready to go to Kennewick, Washington, uh, early September. Uh, So that's uh, our next one on the docket. Um, And then we start with our our typical school schedules uh, this fall. Uh, One exciting new addition is uh, we're coming back to Canada. Uh, So we'll be in Alberta um, in November. Uh, So working with the Foothills Forage Association up there uh, to put on that school and that will be the full seven-day ranching for profit schools first time we've been back in canada and probably four or five years yeah. i bet with with the full school so so that's exciting for us so uh, but yeah we're we're getting things rolling oh one word of caution yeah. on the drones <laughs> everybody's got that neighbor a property rights fanatic right yeah don't go fly over his house he's gonna <laughs> blast it out of the air with a shotgun <laughs> i promise <laughs>
0: okay okay <laughs> final advice and you know and then the one final thing i'll say is this is just our conversation there are there are some faa guidelines and i think you need to be aware of those kinds of things and and we we can't have a show like this without you really if you're going to consider that please be aware of those kind of guidelines that are out there and and you make your decision on how how you want to administer those so All All right.
1: right. Yeah. Thanks for letting me come on. Justin.
0: Dallas Mount with Ranch Management Consultants has been my guest here today. We've been having a discussion. Both he and I are drone owners and have been using drones for quite some time. Again, it's a tool that you might want to consider out there. And, you know, one of the tools or things that we talked quite a bit about was monitoring water. Well, there's even newer technology out there now to monitor. If you just want to monitor a water tank and sort, there's some things out there that are very useful. So there's a lot of things out there. The biggest thing is keep an open mind. What are some ways that we can maybe reduce labor, reduce uh, use of of equipment and and get things done in in a more efficient way? That's really what stems this. And that was really the ultimate reason why I looked at getting into a drone and having a drone in our ranching operation. Just a couple final notes that we talked about the insurance package. One thing I did learn on that, those packages are only good for insurance are only good for, I believe, two years. Now, again, Read the fine print on some of this stuff. Uh, you can renew those on a drone, but uh, I did have an incident where I had to pay the premium because my insurance package had lapsed and I did not get it renewed. So keep that in mind with that insurance. A very uh, definitely something you want to have on that piece of equipment. One other thing is how many batteries do you need? Batteries are kind of expensive in these things. And so uh, if I'm going to fly continually, I like to have four to five batteries. And so uh, that's something to be aware of as well. So just some final uh, comments or thoughts that I had as we wrap up our conversation here today. We'll stay with us. Coming up next, Shaley Stewart, DTN Livestock Market Analyst will join us as we take a look at what this calf market is doing as we've already had some pretty good sales that's giving us an indication of what this market's gonna look like for 2022. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. everything from daily chores to parasite control the best cattle producers never skip the little things the weatherproof protection of dectomax poron helps control a broad range of internal and external parasites including the longest duration of activity against the biting louse visit getlessparasites.com for more solutions from Zoetis. consult your veterinarian for assistance in the diagnosis treatment and control of parasitism And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here as we are joined now by Shaley Stewart, DTN Livestock Market Analyst. And Shaley, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: Justin, I sure appreciate the opportunity to chat with you this morning and really hone into what these feeder cattle prices are doing. I know that's on the forefront of everyone's mind, and man, it's a fun market to talk about right now.
0: Yeah, it it is a fun market. Is and we do see these prices continue to move higher compared to what we had uh, last year, and that was part of the reason I wanted to bring you in here this time of the year. There's a lot of calves being sold, calves uh, yearlings being sold. Uh, But there's going to be a lot more to come. And so I know a lot of folks are really thinking about, okay, what does this calf market look like? So let's let's get into that, because uh, this feeder market, we've had some really good sales on the video sales already this year. And so it's really giving us a lot of indication that this market is really hot.
2: Yep, you're exactly right, Justin. You've obviously been paying attention to sales because, man, uh, you've got the heartbeat and you've got the vibe of the market completely pegged. And so whether you watched Superior and Western sales last week or maybe you caught some of Northern sales, I don't care what region you were looking at. I don't care what weight bracket you were looking at. There was significant stellar demand for feeder cattle and calves throughout the countryside. And so, you know, I know a lot of folks are trying to just pinpoint, well, what are my weight group of calves worth? Are, are they going to be better for this delivery date or that delivery date? And I think if we just talk broadly at the beginning of this conversation, that honestly, the demand for calves, the demand for feeders is just there regardless of where you're at, regardless of what delivery date you're at, and regardless of what weight bracket you're selling in. Obviously, there were, you know, instances of where in some regions, the heavier, more yearly type fashion cattle so a little bit better just because it's going to be fewer days on feed but then adversely in some regions especially like if we talked about uh the week in the Rocky sale compared to how the Corn Belt Classic did, and especially in region three, which is Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana, we really saw a lot of interest in those lighter weight calves. And so given the the disparity in which we've seen in our beef cow processing over this last year, and just how many cows have been sent to market because of drought or high input costs and just simply not being able to make the funds in which ranches need to continue to sustain, there is interest for every, every segment, every weight bracket of calves in every region.
0: Mm -hmm. In just a little bit, let's come back to getting pegging some of these prices that we're seeing out there. But I I, I want to talk fundamentally here because they're the reason that we're seeing these prices staying strong and and kind of it's an unfortunate situation because we got drought down in texas down in the south central part of the country and those folks unfortunately and we hate to see anybody go through this they're having to sell cattle and it's and it continues to just from a very technical standpoint we are continuing to see a low number in our u.s beef cattle herd
2: Yes, you are so right, Justin, and it's funny that you bring that up, you know, because on Friday, we got the beef cattle inventory report, and granted, that was the mid-year report, so that's not as thought after as the report that comes out in January, but still, given how aggressive our beef cow slaughter has been, people just really honed into that data, and just, you know, to kind of shake out where the market sits on beef cow processing, to date, we have processed over 2 million head of beef Cows here in the United States, as of um, the most recent data, which is actually for the first week in July. Just that data is delayed a little bit, and that is actually 14% more aggressive than what had been processed this year in 20. Uh, excuse me, a year ago at in 2021, mm-hmm. and it is 20. 20- eight percent more aggressive than the five-year average so like you said as we continue to just grapple with drought and and you know a lot of the western states have been uh facing ongoing drought we're seeing it now more so in the southern states you know some of those northern states have gotten a little bit of relief with scattered showers but nevertheless we've just seen constant time and time again over the last two years of reason why cow calf producers are sending cows to town and like you said whether it be because of drought or simply not enough um you know, year end margin to continue to sustain, it's really taken a toll on our mm-hmm. beef cows. And so as feedlots, look at this market and as packers look at this market they're saying you know what these calves might be a little bit expensive right now given where we sit with the board given where we sit Mm -hmm. where the live cattle market's showing that we're going to turn a profit you know come the early spring of next year they might be a little bit expensive given especially where corn prices are but you know what we know that these calves are only going to get more expensive as time goes on because the numbers aren't there in the market as they have been in years past so we've got to buy we've got to strategically plan and we've got to be offensively positioned in this market because if you're caught playing in the defensive role and just trying to you know swing at the balls as they come at you later in the marketplace it's going to be in a cost it's going to be a costly swing to bat at
0: mm-hmm. yeah let's start getting into some of the specifics and i know you've broken it down by some regions that, that will be helpful for folks listening so let's kind of work through some of these that we've seen so far across superior western and northern sales so far across uh, the country and let's pin these down a little bit if we can on what these prices have been so far
2: Absolutely. So I'll give you the most recent data from Superior and we're going to compare that to the Corn Belt Classic because, you know, Corn Belt Classic came around, prices were extremely hot, hot, mm-hmm. hot. But then we had the week in the Rockies sale and we saw a still aggressive buying acquisition from buyers. And so let's, com- let's say what the week in the Rockies prices okay. were and how that differentiated from the Corn Belt Classic. So let's start out in region two. And just for your viewers so that we're making sure we're giving accurate and concise data and it's, and it's really just malleable for them to understand. Region 2, and this is steer calf prices. So these are steer calf prices in Montana, Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Nebraska, Colorado, and Utah. So for the superior sale of the Week in the Rockies, your steer calves weighing 500 to 540 pounds sold for an average of $2.15. Your steer calves weighing 550 to about 590 pounds sold for $2.13. And that was about $2.75 more than the previous sale. Your 600 to 635 pounds steer calves they sold for $2 dollars and seven cents and that was about seven dollars stronger than the previous sale your 650 to 690 weight sold for 201 that was two dollars stronger than the previous sale and interestingly enough as we get into these heavier weight steers in the second in the region two of superior sale they actually saw a little bit of a price decrease but your 700 to 740 pound steer calves on superior sales sold for a dollar 92 and that was about 16 dollars per hundred weight back than the previous sale and your 750 to 790 pound steers sold for about a dollar 90 and that was about four dollars off per hundred weight compared to the previous sale. So if we shift gears now and transition into Region Three, that is Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana. Your 550 to 595 weight sold for a buck ninety, and that was fifteen dollars per hundred weight stronger than the previous sale of Superiors. Your 600 to 630 weight sold for a dollar eighty-eight, and get this, that was twenty dollars stronger mm. per hundred weight compared to the previous sale. Really strong demand yeah. right there. Your 650 to 685 weights sold for $1.83, $18 stronger than the previous sale. And now, interestingly enough, as we are in Region Three and we get into those feeders, you know, weighing 700 to 800 pounds, we actually didn't see the ding that the that this uh, Region Two feeder saw. So your 700 to 735 pound steer calves in Region Three sold for $1.78, which were $14 stronger than the previous sale. And your 750 to 790 weights they sold for $1.77, which was $25. Per hunterweight, more aggressive than the previous sale. So, mm. nevertheless, obviously, you know, regions are going to characterize themselves differently just. Simply by numbers, supply, demand, and so. uh, Nevertheless, we saw some cattle sell higher, some cattle sell lower. But regardless, the tone is strong, the demand is strong, and if you have feeder cattle to sell, it is an extremely exciting market. So the one thing that's been interesting, though, for the 2022 feeder cattle prices compared to that of the 2021 market has obviously been the the price spread between steers and heifers. Heifers have been kind of getting beat up a little bit, which is interesting to me and doesn't quite make sense. You know, just because of our beef cow numbers, you would think that they'd be uh, actually demanding a mm-hmm. higher premium but uh, nevertheless that's not what we've seen thus far in the market
0: so in this market this year you're saying you're saying there's still a lot of pressure on these heifers uh, even in 22 you're saying
2: Yes. So uh, right now we're seeing anywhere from like a 20 to something okay. to 40 per hundred. So it's, it's been a pretty big ding on these heifers. And like I said, it doesn't really make sense yeah. given that we're down on beef cows. You would think that, you know, honestly, you know, some feeders or backgrounders would just be buying up those heifers and maybe putting them on a, on a really slow ration. That way maybe they can kick them out as yearlings, get them bred up and sell them as replacements. Or you know what, if they need the numbers in the feedlots, just go ahead and, and fork the corn to them. Mm-hmm. So interestingly enough, yeah. it, it is something that kind of, uh, eggs question but uh you know what the market doesn't always make sense and that's why
0: we've got to spend a lot <laughs> yeah. of time paying attention to it shaley we've had uh, i've had guests on the show here was we've talked about some of the program type cattle that can go through this uh through these markets and so as you're looking through these are you seeing a big advantage to program cattle or the nhtc gap certified
2: you know what, there's always going to be stickouts yeah. where, you know what, this specific region, this specific feedlot desires these type of calves. Maybe those are NHTC or GAP4 qualified what have you, and so there's always going to be those banner sales that everybody just salvates on. But honestly, Justin, you really hit the nail on the head by saying, you know what, this market is strong, and I feel like more so when the market is weak and you know what, there's enough calves to really sort through, You that's when you need something to differentiate you. Mm. But when the market is as strong as it is right now, no, we're not seeing the big premiums, the big price spreads between those program cattle. And so um, honestly, I think a lot of folks are just realizing that pounds are selling this year, and so the more the the volume in which they have to sell and the, and the weight in which they have to sell is really advocating for them uh, just because corn prices are as high as they are. So nevertheless, I think that a lot of folks have chosen to implant their cattle and have gone that route instead of maybe going in all natural.
0: You bet. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's like what we've had, what we've talked about with other guests. I mean, you really just need to, to weigh that out and not saying one is better than the other or against anything, but you just really need to weigh those programs out. Shaylee, just quick question in some of the calves that you covered, these light, lightweight calves, uh, any demand for these lighter 400 weight calves?
2: Now that's very much so going to depend on the region because this past week, as we are getting into these brutal scorching temperatures, you can hardly give a lightweight calf that's been unweaned or unvaccinated unvacci- in, you know, the southern plains or anywhere where it's getting into those scorching 100 degree temperatures. You can hardly give them away mm-hmm. because they simply just go to the sale barn. They crash. They don't perform. They get sick. But if you have these lighter weight calves that, you know, have been on a vaccine protocol or, you know, have been long weaned, then yeah, there is good interest because as you look at the market into 2023, there is nothing but higher, stronger prices. Whether you look at the feeder cattle market and you're going to trade them as yearlings, or you look at the live cattle market and you're looking to jump into, you know, that $1.49, $1.52 range. So um, nevertheless, yes, there is yeah. interest, but it's very retail yeah. driven.
0: You bet. All right. Well, Shaley, I appreciate you joining us here, giving us an update on the market. I know it's every, what everybody's thinking about because we're, we're seeing these sales. So I appreciate you giving us an idea where okay. we're at so far and we'll have to check in with you later down the road
2: hey appreciate it justin take care and uh, i hope these prices stay strong so thanks again
0: Shaley Stewart, DTN Livestock Market Analyst, joining us here to give us an update on where these calf markets are looking like so far with some of the sales we've seen across the country. By the way, if you want to follow along with her on a daily basis, you can go to her Facebook page at Cattle Market News. We'll stay with us. Coming up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus sired calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low risk, high potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we're joined now, as we are every week, by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And Don, uh, we have seen this hot, dry weather across much of the country uh, for seems like a pretty good chunk of July. Now I know there's been some wet spots here and there, and some monsoon moisture that's moved up in 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 and around different areas. But as we approach the end of July and into the first part of August, do you see anything uh, forecasting looking out that shows maybe? some a a change in any weather pattern
4: it does look like we may have a little bit of a subtle change coming on up at the end of july and into early august that while not a dramatic shift from where we are now enough to maybe make a difference and this will be especially true for the central united states which has been the hottest if you were to look at the the temperature anomalies in the last month and a half Uh, The hottest temperatures relative to normal have been from South Dakota, south through Texas. So that would include Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, parts of eastern Colorado and Wyoming and into the northwest Corn Belt, northwest Iowa, parts of Minnesota and into Missouri we do see the, the the region starting to see maybe high pressure kind of split in the two areas. We've had one major high, mm-hmm. and it's been really wanting to sit in those states I just mentioned. Yeah. But as we get to the end of the month, and as we get into early August, we're gonna see one area of high pressure drift more to the west, into the Great Basin, maybe even towards the west coast at times, with another area of high pressure developing in the far southeast and eastern areas of the United States. Now, if that happens, that means the center part of the country won't be directly under the hot dome of high pressure so much. That will occasionally let systems come in from the northwest and occasionally bring some frontal systems that will bring not only temperatures that won't be as hot, but some better chances for showers and thunderstorms. I, I still think we've got problems in Oklahoma and Texas and parts of Kansas maybe tapping into that cooler trend, mm-hmm. but it's possible that maybe the hottest temperatures of the summer relative to average are occurring now and maybe not so much in the month of August and certainly let's hope so
0: yeah well and I've heard people say that I thought man, man if it's hot right now what's August going to look like because typically you know we see that time of the year being well they call it the dog days of summer just for that reason so with when those highs split like that where those areas are over those areas are then going to be looking at probably drier conditions for them so is are we looking at kind of the southwestern part of the country drier or, or is that monsoon moisture going to be be able to move up in there?
4: Well, the monsoon moisture is still going to be able to enter the southwestern United States. So we're still looking uh, at being bullish in terms of more rains coming for the desert southwest, parts of the central and southern Rockies, and even maybe into the deserts of California, where where I do have some concern with dryness showing up, is going to be central areas of the Pacific Northwest. So Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, northern California, Uh, That is an area where I think the heat and the dryness over the next two weeks is going to be the biggest concern while rains in the central part of the United States start to return next week for the southeastern parts of the United States. Well, they've got a lot of subtropical air to produce thunderstorms, even under a high pressure ridge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we we haven't had much of a tropical season to talk about yet in terms of tropical storms or hurricanes. That'll probably change later this month and into early August. And that tends to be the wild card for the Southeast. So I think that heat and dryness is an area of concern for the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm.
0: The northern tier of the country along the Canadian border earlier this year was pretty dry. Now, here in the last several weeks, they've actually been able to pick up some moisture in fact uh, i know canada looking up into there uh, has seen s- some significant moisture does that trend continue for them with any of the change that you see yeah no. this is be this
4: is going to be a, a yes for you to, to answer your question <laughs> okay. it's really going to be saskatchewan uh, manitoba Uh, I I do see those areas having some frequent chances for showers and thunderstorms. Uh, We're going to have systems that are going to kind of go around British Columbia, but head southeast across Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and parts of Alberta. Uh So Uh I am bullish that those prairie provinces of Canada have got some pretty decent chances for rain. Now, at times, they're going to taste some of our heat, too. Uh Some of this heat is going to get up into there. uh, But that is one area that I think
0: will do well. All right. Well, Don, I appreciate you joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show with a look at our long-term weather. Thanks for having me meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather on our program here today. Joining us each and every week as he does, by the way, you can find his daily video podcast. Either go to his website at dayweather.com or you can find him if you just search on YouTube at Dayweather as well. We'll stay with us coming up next. We'll wrap up this week's show and I'll give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about on our next episode. We've been working on it for the last couple, three weeks. We're hope to bring it to you next week. We'll talk about it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: back.
0: Coming up on next week's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show, I've only been promising this for the last couple of weeks, but I think it's going to happen, and that is how long-term forecasts can help with stocking decisions. Well, I think this is a big issue, so be sure to join us next week on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Our sponsors today, a thank you to them, Gelvy Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice, and Zoetis. Visit GetLessParasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you want to know what they're talking about, go to the website at workingranchmag.com and start your subscription here today. If you'd like to get a hold of me, please send me an email at justin.workingranch@gmail.com. Be sure to join us at this same time, same place, or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.